0: Good morning. Good to have you here with us today and uh, glad that you have uh, jumped in to our 9 a.m. gathering and uh, hope that you have been encouraged already by being in God's house and with his worship. Uh, We're jumping into the word now and we're continuing a series. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is there any chance anybody knows what we're going to be talking about today? One, One thing. There you go. Congratulations. One thing. Yeah. We are talking about one thing. Now, Now somebody has asked, if we're only talking about one thing, how come it takes you so long each Sunday to get that across? Um, different question, different time. We'll cover that later. But we are talking about one thing as it's mentioned in Scripture. There are numerous times when we have one thing. That is mentioned in a sentence, in a phrase, Old Testament, New Testament, sometimes uh, by the psalmist. We gathered that one the first time around, um, but we also see it as it's spoken by Jesus himself. Um, and then uh, today, we're going we're gonna to be covering uh, someone else, actually, an unnamed person again, who uses the phrase one thing. But here's the deal. While it's mentioned numerous times, it is still endeavoring to move us, to help us, to focus us on one person. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. It is one focus that we are striving towards. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus is the one who kicks us off who kick-starts our relationship with him, and then he's the one that's going to finish it. He's the one who said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will take care of heaven. I will take care of you on the other side if you put your faith and trust in me. However, there's a journey in the middle, isn't there? And, and we are continually walking in step with him, and we're trying to keep our focus, our attention, on our Savior. And these one things, as they are mentioned, help us do just that. The first week, we covered one thing that the psalmist mentions when he was talking about great. God is great. God is good. God said one thing, the psalmist said, I had to grab two from it. Because whatever is with God is, of course, multiplied with man. He said, he said I, I couldn't narrow it down. Here's what I took from it. God is great, and God is good, and we need both. We need the greatness of God, but we need the goodness of God as well, because if all we had was the greatness of God, you and I would be in a whole lot of trouble. But in his goodness, he loved us enough to send his son to send a sacrifice who would die on our behalf and take care of our sin. Then we talked from this perspective of Mary and Martha, two sisters, okay? And Mary was all about the worship But Martha, unfortunately, was all about the work and the worry, the work and the worry. And she didn't have time for the worship, and it cost her. And Jesus said, Martha, you're worried about so much. There's one thing that you need to concentrate on, and and Mary has chosen, well, she's not being lazy She understands that she's only going to be able to serve out of an overflow of her relationship. And so when the psalmist spoke, we we learned that knowing God is at the heart of worship. When Mary and Martha were part of the discussion, we learned that knowing God is at the heart of service. Last week, we talked about a rich, young ruler, a rich, young ruler, an unnamed man in the Gospels. And his story is told more than once. But we we looked at it from the standpoint of Jesus saying to this young man, one thing you lack. He was keeping all the commandments. He was a good guy. He was doing everything he was supposed to. Jesus says you're lacking one thing. You're lacking one thing. Knowing God is at the heart of surrender. Knowing God is at the heart of surrender. And today, we're going to look at a miracle of Jesus. If you were to look at the Gospels and, and kind of try to break down the miracles of Jesus and how many times he did certain things. If, if someone were to ask you, hey, what, what do you think Jesus did more miracles of in the Gospels than anything else? Some of you might say, well, he fed thousands of people, which he did on more than one occasion. But if it's possible that he actually did something even more than that, it might be what we're going to talk about today. Oftentimes, in the Gospels, in different sections, so they're not necessarily the same story, they're different storylines, Jesus heals the blind. Jesus heals the blind. And the truth is we're probably only covering the surface of what Jesus did in regards to healing the blind and healing people in general. Remember John at the end of his Gospel said, I'm done i got to finish because here's the deal. If, if, if we wrote everything there is to write about what Jesus said and what Jesus did, we don't have the space. We don't have the paper. We don't have the time. That's how much he accomplished. So we're only getting a glimpse. But numerous times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it talks about Jesus, how he restored the sight of those that were blind. And so today, we want to cover one of those stories. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And we're going to look at this starting in verse 1. We're going to look at one of these storylines from Jesus and It's an interesting one because what you find is that when he heals the blind, he rarely does the same thing twice. It's always something a little different. So, let's pick it up in verse 1. Here we go. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, Wash in the pool of Shalom. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. He had vision. He had vision. I want, you, I want you to do me a favor as we get started today. Would you do this for me? Would you, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just close your eyes. Now, Stay awake, okay, because I know 9 o'clock service, it might be easy for some of you to nod off. So if I see your head drop, just close your eyes for a moment. First of all, this, this is what the man born blind can see, what you see right now. Nothing. He's born blind. Just kind of in your mind, put yourself in that situation. Take yourself back and maybe you're not the blind man. Maybe you, are, maybe you are one of the disciples and you're walking along with Jesus and you come to this man who is a beggar, okay? So he's not in good clothes. He's not in clean clothes. His hair is probably pretty messed up and matted. He's begged all of his life and he's blind. have on Ray-Bans, Okay? He's not pulling Roy Orbison here. He's he's blind, and you know he's blind. All right, now I want you, with your eyes still closed, I want you to do me one more favor. Remove yourself from that situation and pull yourself back up to August 29th, 2021. And I want you to think about you. And I want you to think about if you knew that you could do something for God, and not fail, what would it be? If you could do something for God and not fail, what would it be? Can you see it? All right, open your eyes with me. I want us to continue this story, and I'm going to abbreviate it just a little bit, because it goes on for quite some time. Jesus shares with his disciples, takes care of the man that is born blind, but now the story continues, because the man goes back to his neighborhood, okay? And when he goes back to his neighborhood, the people are like, wait a second. (laughs) Okay, I saw him leave this morning. I was walking my dog. I saw him go back to his normal post. He, he looks different. Something's going on. And, and John even says it's his neighbors. And those who had formerly seen him begging, they asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. He, he, it's like they're saying he had a, what's that word? He had a doppelganger. You ever hear that word? Isn't that a, who makes up these words? You know, who, who said doppelganger is the word we'll use in case somebody looks like somebody else? But every once in a while you see those, don't you? I, I heard this week that The Rock has a doppelganger in Alabama, and he's a sheriff. And he actually looks just like The Rock. Can you imagine if this guy pulls you over? <laughs> Comes to your window, you're like, oh, Rock? I mean, he looks just like him. So they're insisting. They're like, well, no, no. It's just somebody that looks like him. This is not exactly him. But they're having this conversation with him right there. Did you ever have, you know, talks like parents? Mom and dad, you're talking about your kid and your kid's in the room. (laughs) Did they ever say, I'm in the room? You know I can hear you, right? Finally, he insisted, "I am the man. I'm the guy. It's me." And they said, "How were your eyes opened?" And he said, "The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I could see. Where is this man? I don't know. Why didn't he know? Because he was blind. When Jesus put the mud on his eyes and Jesus said, go go down there to Siloam. Rinse your eyes out. By the time he did that, Jesus is gone. I don't know. Now when you get to the next part of the story, enter the Pharisees. All right? So again, forgive me, but this is where the dramatic music comes in. Dun, dun, dun. Okay? Okay? Have you heard that, you know, in your favorite cartoon or whatever the story was? Bum, bum, bum. This is when the bad guys come in. Here come the Pharisees, all dressed in black, you know. And they go to the Pharisees, and they take the guy. They brought him to the Pharisees. Now, John says, I need to let you know something here. The day in which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. So evidently, there's some argument going on within the Pharisees' ranks. Hard to believe, right? Some of them are like, wait a second. I, I, I remember this guy. I've seen this guy. He was blind, and, and there's no way that he could be healed by someone who wasn't of God. Others are saying, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And they have no understanding that the Lord of the Sabbath has arrived on the scene. What have you to say about him? He opened your eyes and the man said, he's a prophet. They still didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. So, The Pharisees send for the man's parents. They're like, okay, this can't be true. He's just making this stuff up. So they send for the parents. They bring the parents in. And they ask the parents, is this your son? Yep. Was he born blind? He was. How did he get his sight? And the parents are afraid of the Pharisees. They're nerved up by the Pharisees. And so the parents say, he's of age, he's old enough, ask him. Because the Pharisees had already made threats. Hey, you talk about Jesus, you claim he's the Messiah, you're out. You are on the outside looking in. So they said, ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, the blind men replied, ready? Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Difference maker One thing This man Restored My vision This Jesus Restored my vision He gave me Sight And today I want to talk to you About Jesus Restoring our Vision Jesus restoring our vision. One thing I know, he said, Hey, you could bring me back in here time after time after time. I'm going to tell you the same story. He spit in the mud, he put it on my eyes. It was a little gross, but I figured, What do I have to lose? I've been blind since birth, I haven't seen much help from you guys. So I figured I'd try what this guy asked. I went down to the river, I rinsed out my face, and I could see. All I know is this, one thing. I was blind, but now I see. The words of the old hymn that many of you love, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And it says, once I was blind, but now I can see. And he was simply repeating the words of this man from 2,000 years ago who stood before the Pharisees unafraid. Why? Because he was blind and now he could see. And it didn't make any sense to him. All he knew was Jesus had restored his vision. Is it possible that you are here today and you need for Jesus to restore your vision. You need for Jesus to restore your vision. I want us to break this story apart just a little bit today, and we're not going to take long to do it. So if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. I usually have, of course, a a few points and a message that, that somehow weave their way through and go together so I try to keep it simple part of the reason I do that is just for alliteration's purpose it helps you if you're writing it down to remember what we talked about but the other thing is that most of you don't write it down so my hope my prayer is that there's something that said that you grab a hold of and sometime on Wednesday sometime on Thursday God is still moving in your heart and in your head and reminding you of some point along here and saying. That you, that's where you fit in, that's where I need to restore your vision, that's what you need to remember. So I want to give to you today just a few points as we pull this story apart, continuing to look at these verses, and see if there is some restored vision that needs to happen in our lives. Here's the first one. First thing we need to do is awaken to the glory of God. Everybody say awaken. Ready? Awaken Awaken to the glory of God. We we need to understand that God's glory is first and foremost. Do you realize that creation happened to bring glory to God? Man was created to bring glory to God. Believers are to bring glory to God to God it's the whole idea that we bring him glory his disciples asked him verse 2 rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind they thought for sure there's gotta be something he did wrong there's gotta be something his parents did wrong and that's why he's in this situation that's why he was born this way that's why he's going through this and Jesus said none of the above most of the time in that day in the day of the law what had been transpiring Old Testament all the way through was if there's a problem somewhere it's because of what somebody did that caused it so the disciples are like hey we didn't see this story on TMZ so maybe you can fill us in Jesus Who messed up? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus surprises them first of all. Not with the miracle. He surprises them first of all with the message. He surprises them first of all with what he says. He says, neither one. This guy didn't mess up. His parents didn't mess up. He is this way So that people may see the works of God. He was born this way to bring glory to God. And sometimes there are situations that you and I go through and we are looking for the answer. And we're looking for why is this happening? Why are we going through this? You may be looking at that even as far as the world is concerned right now. Why is this being allowed to happen? Who did something wrong? And God says, ultimately, this will bring me glory. We can't see the answer. We can't see from the perspective of God. But everything that we do is designed to bring glory to God. We need to awaken to the glory of God. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Listen, vision is given to bring glory to God. Vision is given to bring glory to God. Now, it may be vision for you in, in your life, for relationships that you have, vision for your family, vision for your, your career, vision for where you want to be. It doesn't just have to be on a spiritual realm. But no matter what it is, we give God glory. Vision is given To bring God glory. Why? Because all of creation was given to bring God glory. In fact, the psalmist was smart enough to say in the Old Testament, look, you don't have to worship. It's okay if you don't, but you're missing out. Because if you don't, the rocks, they'll cry out in praise. They'll cry out in worship. Creation. Why all of these natural disasters? Because creation, scripture says, is groaning for its creator. Vision is given. To bring glory to God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. First message of Jesus. What did he say? Let your light so shine among men. That they may see your good deeds. And give glory. To your father in heaven. And he repeats it to his disciples doesn't he? He says to them. Hey I am here. And i got to work while it's day, and so do you. Night is coming, and the job that we have in front of us, the task that we have, the vision that God has given to us that we can be a part of, won't happen. The time for that will be over. But he said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Isn't it interesting that he was already preparing his followers, though, that someday he would leave, and he was telling them, you're the light of the world. And with that light, we bring God glory. Sometimes there is a process to proceed to the miracle. Sometimes there is a process to proceed to the miracle. And this man was in process from the day that he was born. Every day was a step closer to what God had for him. Every day was a step closer to God's vision being restored in this man. And every day, don't lose your vision. Don't lose your sight. Every day is another step closer. You say it didn't happen today, then you're looking forward to to it tomorrow it doesn't happen tomorrow, then you're looking forward to it the next day. Every day is a step closer to God restoring that vision. Why? To bring Him glory. To bring Him glory. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink, and and it's almost like Paul was like, boy, I'm going to have to list a whole lot of things here. It's just like he said, okay, now if you eat or if you drink or if you're walking or running or when you get up or when, and then he was just like, you know what? Let me just put it all together here. Whether you eat or drink, you know, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Isn't it awesome to know that? Can you come to church to the glory of God? Yeah. Can you go to work in the glory of God? Uh-huh. Tomorrow when you head in to that place of employment, this fall when you head into a new class, a new school, you do it to the glory of God. Paul says, whatever you do. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 He says whatever you do in word or deed, it just about covers it, doesn't it? Covers it all. Do it all to the glory of God. Worship to the glory of God. Work to the glory of God. Work out to the glory of God. Enjoy life to the glory of God. You say, why, why do we pray before we eat? Well, that's the first thing he mentioned. Whatever you do, you eat or drink. Why do we pray? We're thanking God. We're giving glory to God. Come on, you know, you know, you know. There are countless people around the world who don't enjoy a meal. And we sit down at one of a hundred restaurants within five miles of here. We do it to the glory of God. Everything you do, you do to the best of your ability, and we do it to the glory of God. We need to waken to the fact that everything is done to give God glory. And we don't always understand what he does or how he does it, and that leads us right into our next point, and that is this. Allow God to be God. Allow God to be God. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me, Jesus said. Night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Grotesque, right? I mean, I know there are a few people in our congregation who would be like, what are you doing? Don't touch my eyes. Let God be God. Let God be God. And sometimes the situation is messy. Sometimes it's going to be a little messed up. I say, I say it a lot. We're messed up. Why? And that's what proved we needed a messiah. Because we're a mess. Could Jesus have just said be healed and it's done? Sure. You got to let God be God. He never did one of these vision restores the same. He never once did the same miracle in order to bring sight to the blind. And what he does to move you to his place of vision will be totally different than what he does for somebody else. Don't be looking on Facebook or Instagram and seeing how God answered their prayer and think, well, do that for me. Nope. Let God be God. Allow God to be God and understand, this isn't even my notes. This is just a freebie. I don't know whether we'll get this in in the second service or not. It's just for you. Understand that you're not God, right? We have to remind ourselves of that once in a while. More and more, society and culture tries to place God within the human spirit. You are a God. No. I house the Spirit of God. I am a temple of the living God, but I am not God. (coughs) And, And to be honest, in this day and age that we live, nor should you want to be. No one should want his job right now. But yet, in our own lives, we try to claim, you know what, we know what's best. No, allow God to be God. I mean, do you know of anybody? He doesn't have any sight, right? So his other senses are what? Stronger, okay? We know that. That, That's a physical fact. Those who, who have lost one sense, they gain another sense. They gain strength in their other senses. His hearing was probably impeccable. So if you closed your eyes, you'd know what I did pretty much, right? And and then you could hear the scuffling of the sandal in the dirt. And then he picks it up and he puts it on. You know of someone, don't you? And maybe it's you who would be like, hey, wait a second, right? He'd kind of pull back. Well, what are you doing? I just need some coinage, man. Give me a couple bucks for a pop. I'm looking for a Happy Meal. Why are you putting, did you just spit in that dirt and then put it on my eyes? He could have recoiled. He could have crawled away. He could have said, knock it off. you got to allow God to be God. Allow God to be God. And, and here's one of the ways that we do this. Listen to this. This is for somebody. You have to have margin in order to have vision. Let me say that to you again. You have to have margin in your life. In order to have vision in your life, you gotta have margin in your schedule. There have been times when when God has spoken, when He's kind of just, I've sensed Him speaking in my spirit when I have been awakened to, to something that he wanted to do in my life or, or in ministry or something he wanted us to step out into, there have been times when that has happened in the busyness of life. And I'm sure that you can say, yeah, that's been the case for me. But most often, God speaks when we give him space. You, you got to put yourself in position To hear from God. And so if there's going to be vision, you got to give yourself some margin and you got to give yourself a little bit of margin in that schedule in order to allow him to speak. You're here. So this is a priority to you, Sunday morning. And that is a great place to start. Great place to start. I don't know why, God, I'm going to use this thing called the church to be my vehicle to usher in the kingdom of God. I'm going to use this thing called the church to help people understand their need for me. I'm going to use this thing called the church to give people a place to worship, to give people a place for discipleship, to give people a place for fellowship. And he said, I'm going to use the church all the way till the end. Messed up as it is, I'm going to use the church. I'm going to use the church. So, great place to start right here. Make that a priority. However, there's got to be more to it than that. You don't want to limit God speaking to you to just a Sunday morning experience. God wants to speak to His children. We got to give ourselves a little bit of margin in order to let that happen. And I don't know what that is. I don't know how that works for you. I just know that moving from thing to thing, thing, vision rarely comes in the busyness of life. Sometimes, but we got to give space for God to give us vision. The, the second thing we have to do is you, you got to have margin in your emotions. You have to have margin in your emotions. And, and the reason I say that is because I, I couldn't think, and maybe somebody will come to me in between the services and say, hey, you know what, I got a better word for you. But, but let, let me try to express what I'm, what I'm saying. Rarely are you going to have vision come in the chaos and in the drama and in the dysfunction of life. And for some people, for some people, they've lived that way for so long. That's their comfort level. There's just, if there is no drama, they look for it. There's nothing better, to be honest. I mean, I, I love, in my life, a bit of controlled chaos. I think sometimes I operate best that way. God is rarely going to breathe vision into my life. Rarely is he going to restore my vision when I am just going from chaos chaos to chaos to chaos to chaos. No matter how controlled I think it is. Some people, they have lived in the dysfunction of life. The dysfunction of relationships that that when they get a relationship that is not dysfunctional, they don't know how to cope. They've, they've just lived in this stage so long. Rarely is God going to breathe vision into our lives and the chaos and the drama. And we've got to give ourselves a chance to breathe We've got to give ourselves a chance to be still and know that God is God. Margin. You've got to give yourself some margin. The other thing you've got to do before I move on, and I, again, I don't have this in my notes, so I'm just throwing this in there as another freebie. you got to give yourself some margin of error. There are some who may actually think, you know what, if you look back on my life, if you look back on my past, there's no way that God has a vision for me. There's no way that God can use me. There's no way that God wants to restore anything in my life. Can I tell you something? Jesus died. That's your margin of error. He died for all of the wrong, all the bad decisions, all the forks in the road where you chose the wrong way. That's why he died. And yet he rose again to overcome all that. So give yourself some margin of error and let Jesus breathe some vision back into your life. One more. One more. Accept your part of the mission. Accept your part of the mission. Awaken to the glory of God. Understand from the get that everything in life is supposed to bring God glory, first and foremost. Allow God to be God. God. Even if he spits in the ground and mixes up the mud and puts it on your eye, let him, let him be God. And, and then at the same time, you've got to accept your part of the mission. You've got to do what God asks. There's got to be some action steps involved in vision. <clears throat> we, we uh, as a church, we, we had a chance a couple weeks ago to actually go and, and visit with uh, a much larger church and ministry. And, and we just kind of had some input from a senior pastor and his staff into our church and our situation. And the, the Southern Baptist Convention is part of a, in Michigan is part of a Be the Church movement. And, uh, and they have asked me to kind of help uh, lead that to a certain extent in the Detroit area. And, uh, and, and so they were talking from our church's perspective of what that meant. And one of the things that was interesting is they talked about vision, and they talked about strategy, and they talked about implementation. And it's one thing to have vision, but it's another thing to have a strategy to implement the vision. you you got to have all three. If all you have is vision... You're not going to get anywhere. And sometimes we can have the vision that God has for our lives, have the vision for what God wants to do in us, through us, whatever part of life it is, and then we just kind of wait on him to do his thing. How often is God actually waiting on us to do our thing. Isn't it interesting, Jesus spits on the ground, makes a little mud pie, puts it on the guy's eyes. Did that heal him? No. No. Thank you. I'm going to try it one more time, Mark. I think everybody else is awake. He puts the little mud pies on his eyes. Did that heal him? No. No. What did he say? Now go down to the river and rinse off. Not necessarily the easiest thing, isn't it? I mean, the guy's blind. Come on, Jesus. Just let him see. Make the little mud pie spit in the ground, whatever. Do that. Put it on his eyes. But then just wipe it off and let's be done with this. Nope. Go to the river. So the man has to get to the river and rinse out his eyes. And then what happens? He could see. He could see. When we do what we can do, then Jesus steps in to do what we can't. But in nearly every miracle, so many of the miracles, Jesus invites people to participate in the miraculous. Isn't that awesome? Every time. He's going to feed thousands of people. What's he say? Get what you have and bring it to me. And all they had was a little lunch. I mean, couldn't he have just created? Sure. But he wanted to use, do you think, can you imagine? Heaven will only record. But I have a feeling that when you get to heaven... One of the movies we'll be able to watch is the story of that little boy who brought his lunch. Come on. How do you think that guy grew up? What kind of a difference do you think he made in his life? And what about the mom who before the little kid had left said, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Let me make you something to eat. I don't want you going out there all day on an empty stomach. They did what they could do. The disciples went and got what they could get. Peter, walking on the water. What's he have to do? Get out of the boat. How about this? Is there there a greater miracle than raising one from the dead? And he comes to the gravesite of Lazarus. And what does he say? Move the stone. Come on. Just move your finger, Jesus. Jesus. He could have even made the noise, right? Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. no. Maybe he moved it up and down a little bit and then laughed <laughs> just to throw him off. Or how about when he raises Lazarus? Just, okay, raise him up, but pull him through. You know, instead, it's a slow process. Lazarus comes out still wrapped like the mummy. Then Jesus says, go go and untie him. Why would he do that? Because he wants us to do what we can. And then he will do what we can't. And we oftentimes ask God for what he is able to do without being willing to do what we're able to do. Remember what we talked about last week? Why are we taking a big give offering? One of the reasons is because we can. We can. We don't understand everything that's going on around the world. And we can't help in all of the situations that are happening in Haiti right now. And we can't help in all the situations that are going on in Afghanistan right now. But where we are, we can make a difference. And God steps in to do what we can't when we are willing to do what we can. There's this interesting story, and I, and I got I to gotta hasten to get done here. Mark chapter 8. Uh, you don't have to go there, but just check it out later. Mark chapter 8. There's another story of an encounter that Jesus has with a blind man, okay? Okay? And and it's in Bethsaida, and and they get there, and some people actually bring this blind man to Jesus. So the counter we talked about today, there's a blind beggar. He's al- he's always there. He's always in the same spot. He's always begging. This time there's some friends, and they bring this blind man to Jesus, and they beg. They begged him. Isn't that interesting? The friends begged Jesus, touch, touch our friend. He's blind. So Jesus took the blind man, interesting, by the hand and let him out of the village. We don't understand all the reasons behind it, but he took him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes. Oh, no. I mean, does it get any worse? Right? Some of you have had that surgery. My mom had that surgery, the, the surgery where you don't have to wear your glasses anymore. Can you imagine going in for your appointment with the doctor? And he said, let me see. He spits in your eye. (laughs) All right, open the other eye. Oh, yeah, you got some problems. We'd be like, I think I'm going to another doctor. Jesus, this time, he spits in the man's eye. He laid his hands on him. He said, can you see anything? The man looked around. He said, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened his sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, "Don't go back into the village on your way home." Couple quick points. Vision may require that you look again. Vision may require that you look again. And some of you have been, I've been looking and I've been looking and I've been looking and I can't see. Sometimes it seems like I can see something, but it's not clear to me. God's word says, Look again. Look again. And then the other thing here that we grab from this is vision may require that we go a different route. We don't know what it is about that village, but Jesus said, don't go back in there. A lot of unbelief. There's been a lot of talk lately, and it's seemingly I get things all the time about people that are deconstructing their faith. Man, I wish I could get those people in a room and talk to them. Because God's word plainly says forget about the way you were raised. Forget about how traditions have moved you into certain patterns. Look at the Word of God and please understand that it never talks about deconstructing your faith, is what pleases God. Seemingly, my Bible says that it is my faith that pleases God. And Paul the Apostle, who might, I got to bring it down just a notch. Paul the Apostle, who might be maybe the greatest Christian to ever live, says, You know, I got to keep moving from faith to faith to faith. Every aspect, every season of my life. I'm not deconstructing my faith. I'm still constructing. And sometimes you got to look again. You look and it's just not clear. Look again. You look and it seems like people are trees. Look again. And don't go back by the same route. Let me give you three words and we're done. Survival, success, significance. This is where a lot of us live. One of these three areas. Survival. Survival. Did you know that somewhere between ten and 15,000 churches have closed their doors in the past 18 months? They will never reopen again. That's just churches. You can imagine multiplied businesses, restaurants, hotels. There's probably places that you like. They have yet to open, and you wonder if they really will. Will we ever get back to what was? Survival. And seemingly at times in these past 18, 19, 20 months, it's just been about, I just got to survive. Survive. Then sometimes, sometimes that's where a lot of people live. Just got to get through. But then, you know, if, if we want to move from that, a lot of times we look at, if I could just have success, if I could just have my little piece of the American pie. And, and, and we, especially in our day and age, culture, Americana, that kind of thing, we evaluate success based on where we live, what we drive, how much we make, what we're able to enjoy, what we've got in a 401k, what we set aside for retirement, Success. Nothing wrong with that. However, I don't think God wants us to live in either one of those. I think God's desire is for us to instead not have a life of survival, not even have a life of success. He wants us to have a life of significance. Wouldn't it be the bomb if when you got to the end of your life, you could look back on your life and realize it was significant? There's something that I did, there's something I participated in, there's something that I was a part of, it's going to outlast me. And, 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 and it's even possible it's going to last into eternity. That's what God gives us the chance to be a part of. And, And you can be part of that where you are. Now, is it possible that God calls you into some specific ministry or or calls you to, you know what, I got a chance, I'm going to retire early, and I'm going over here because God's called me to make a difference in this part of the world. Yes, all of those things are true. People have to be called into ministry, but here's the deal. The man who was born blind, he was to make a difference right in his neighborhood. He made a difference in front of the Pharisees. He made a difference in front of his parents. The man that Jesus healed in Bethsaida, Jesus said, I want you to go back a different route. It is so interesting when you read the Gospels and see how many different ways Jesus responded to people. There was a crazy naked guy in the Garden of Gestarnes. Okay, this story is written in the New Testament. People were all afraid of him. when, When Jesus comes, he heals him. He gets rid of all the spirits that have been part of him. You know, he's been chained up and everything. He frees him of all that. He's a new man. He's in his right mind. He's clothed. People are like, whoa. First time I've seen that guy with clothes on. He was the crazy naked guy. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to be Jesus' follower. And Jesus said, you know what? No, stay here. They need you. Tell people right here what's happened, the difference I've made. I don't think the man ever got to success. But he did live a life of significance. I think it was the same way with the people who were blind that Jesus touched and restored their vision. One of them, make a difference in your neighborhood. One of them, don't go back the same way. But following Jesus and following more than just the vision they have, following his vision for their life. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God. That's where we started, right? Awaken to the glory of God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. If He, that power is at work in your life. What a difference maker. With God, nothing is impossible. Ask Him to restore the vision in your life. Might be a little messy. Might send you right back to where you're at. Might ask you to go a little different route. But He's got something of significance. Significance that he wants to do in our lives if we will just let him restore our vision. Make sense? Amen. Bow your heads together with me in prayer. Father, I know that in my life I constantly need to be reminded of the importance of vision your vision for my life, your vision for what you can accomplish in and through me. Lord, as a church, we want to be a church of a vision, not relying on past accomplishments, not relaxing where we are, but restoring our vision for what you have ahead. We want to be significant even more than successful. Lord, that starts as you work in each heart and each life. We thank you that in each situation where you had an encounter with a blind person, you restored their vision differently because I know, Lord, for each person here it's different. But I pray that in the margins of our life that we allow you to speak and that you might give us restored vision no matter what season we find ourselves in, may we find our vision restored in you and seek to live significant. Seek to take steps to implement that vision for our lives. May it make an eternity of difference, not just in us, but through us. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.